This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Zach Jackson covers the Browns NFL writer for the Athletic NFL (laughs) at Akron Jackson if you want to follow him leading up to kickoff for Intel on social media. Zach, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. How are you? Hey, with a big game like this, how can I turn this down? Hey, this is the best of the best, right? Browns, Commanders, FedEx Field, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Where else would you rather spend the first day of 2023? So I saw the injury report is pretty light for the Browns. Does that mean that the guys that are hurt are hurt, hurt, or does that mean they're pretty healthy? No, they're pretty healthy. I mean, they're really healthy for this time of the year. They... They've had to change centers about four times, but the best one is back, Ethan Poshik, a guy who's been around the league for a while. Um, as they get ready to leave in 24 hours, the only guy in question is Jadavian Clowney, and he's coming out of the concussion protocol. And it's just a matter of tomorrow, does he get that final step or not? But, um, you know, I think that they will limit Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb a little bit because they're not playing for anything. And they're obviously concerned their left tackle, Jed Wills, has a back injury and going against that defensive line they're gonna you know keep an eye on him but they're pretty healthy they've had a disaster at linebacker they've had to shuffle some other guys but health hasn't been a thing there's been drama everywhere and there's been change everywhere but the Browns have their whole offense here in week you know 17 and pretty close with the exception of this mess at linebacker they, they have pretty much the guys everywhere else that they've had all year you mentioned Clowney who's got just two sacks this season somehow has he had as bad a year as the numbers make it look well, he he got hurt in week three and wasn't really right. wasn't really a factor at all whether he was in the lineup early in the year or not. Um, he has played much better in the second half of the year, and so has the defense most games. I mean, the defense is probably the biggest reason the Browns have stunk this year, and it's been mad, maddeningly inconsistent, easy for me to say. But Clowney is still a really good player. Does he pick and choose his spots? Is he the dominant player he was once was? No, but... You know, when he and Garrett are locked in, they're still really good. Um, you know, the, the sack total, it, it obviously jumps out. It's not low, but they get him, you know, to do a lot of things. And if you get the best clowny, then he still wrecks games, and he's done it two or three times. But has he done it six or seven times this year? No, he hasn't. Zach Jackson covers the Browns for The Athletic. So why has the defense been so disappointing? Because at the beginning of the year, I think a lot of us assumed if Brissett could be okay – they would be in decent shape when Watson came back, and Brissett was okay, and it didn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, last year they had nine guys, new guys on defense, um, and it took them a while, but they finished the year really strong, like top five, top seven. And this year they've done that a couple of times, but, you know, they, they had a historic meltdown. They lost to the Jets in week two, 
um, you know, despite lose, winning by two scores inside the two-minute warning. And then teams started figuring out that they could run the ball on the Browns, and it just started. They, they couldn't stop it. And it leaked to other parts of the defense, obviously, when you can't get off the field or you can't get your offense on the field. Um, and that's been a big deal. So, you know, I think obviously the plan on Sunday is going to be Brian Robinson, the big back. Browns have, have had trouble with that. You know, they, they've lost four linebackers the season ending injuries. So they're playing guys who either weren't in the league or weren't on the team. Um, you know, they start Tony Fields, who's supposed to be just a special teams player. He starts at linebacker. So that's probably been the biggest reason. But, you know, they just, they've played like two. What's really crazy is they've played like two games that are just awful. They just really haven't connected. They haven't got the stop in the score, the pin them deep in the turnover. They've struggled to get off the field in the run defense. They've struggled to create those defensive big plays. And then whether it's missing a field goal or throwing a pick at the end, they just they just haven't connected. I mean, Watson's been awful, but he get they get a defensive holding call last week on the final drive, and he turns into the best quarterback you've ever seen, and guys drop touchdown passes at the end. So it's just been like they just can't get it connected. It's amazing. Yeah, I want to get to Watson in a second. How could we not? But on Nick Chubb, who's their best player, and the one guy I'd say you worry about, if you're a Commanders fan, on Sunday, they're going more away from the run. I get the sense, and by the way, I think this is smart if it's why they're doing it, that they're essentially prioritizing like Watson's development or, or knocking the rust off or getting him going into the offseason where they want him to be over maybe just winning these football games, running with with Chubb and Hunt. Is that fair, or, or is there more to it than that? No, you're giving them too much credit. I mean, are they big picture prioritizing Watson? Yes, but the running game has been figured out. It's still a good offensive line. It's not a dominant offensive line. Teams know it's coming. And, like, Watson's been so bad in the playbook, so limited early on, that that's made it even harder. Um, Chubb shows up with a foot injury. And, listen, a lot of guys go on the injury report, and you follow the rules, you, you put them on. But when Nick Chubb misses even one play of practice, he's hurt right? Kareem Hunt, who for a while was giving them this amazing running game that nobody else in the league had, especially behind that offensive line, he's become a non-factor. And so it's really been the struggles of the run game mixed with a quarterback transition that was always going to put you in a tough spot if you couldn't just run it right at people. You know, especially like with the numbers and all that, like you can do whatever gymnastics with that. It just hasn't been good enough. You know, Chubb has busted an 11 yarder, a 19 yarder, but not a 30. And he hasn't had a bunch of four and five strung together in a long time. And it's put him behind the chains. And then regardless of who's been quarterback, that's not the ideal situation. They had a couple of red zone turnovers and they just haven't connected. But I mean, if, if this game was in week three, I would say Nick Chubb is going to run wild and the Browns are going to win. Um, but I would be surprised if Chubb gets even to 15 carries into 75 yards on Sunday. Because you're saying that they're essentially packing up shop with him and just keeping him ready for the offseason? Yeah, it's just not, it's just not working. It's just yeah. for, for many reasons. Yeah, but they're, and it's certainly they're not going to say, okay, we have a chance to get this win and we're going to go to 30 carries. No, I mean, Nick Chubb is guaranteed to be their running back for at least one more year, and he's one of the top three running backs in the league, if not the best in the league. We don't need to have that discussion, but he's certainly in it, you know, regardless of, of when you have it. He's my number one. Zach Jackson covers the Browns uh, in Cleveland for the Athletic. I mean, if he's sub-15 attempts or sub-75 yards, it's hard for me to – to write a winning script for the Browns then to, to knock off a hungry Washington team. But that brings us to Watson. So 
I think we all expected rust. I'm sure you guys and the Browns anticipated he'd look like a guy who didn't play for a year and a half. Has it been worse than that? Yes. Um, now, you still see it, right? To me, it hasn't been a whole lot different than what we saw back in the spring when we're allowed to see six or eight open practices, you know, than what we saw in the summer when for the first two and a half, three weeks of camp, he was the guy. You see the talent, but you see a guy that is in a brand new offense, brand new environment, and hasn't played. So the Houston game was egregiously bad. It didn't matter. The Texans gave it away. Two of them have been in bad weather. One of them really bad, maybe both, right? So you can excuse it away, and you have seen one or two, maybe three throws. But, you know, you just – all of these things come together. Are they excuses? Yes. Are they valid? Yes. So, you know, there's still the assumption would be this guy's super talented. This guy's going to flip the switch. They're going to – he's going to get comfortable, and he's going to give the Browns offense something they've never had. And, and, and I can totally go along with that. But right now, it's just a bad offense. It's a limited playbook. Um, it's trying to get everybody on the same page, play caller to quarterback, quarterback to offensive line, quarterback to receiver. And like I said, they they should have been up 14 nothing last week. Cooper slips because of the weather. And then they went totally stale for like two and a half quarters. But there was a phantom defensive holding call, and all of a sudden he threw the four best balls he's thrown all along, just only two of them got caught. And they end up losing. They get to the 15-yard line and they lose. So, um is their definite progress? Yes, but they haven't scored two touchdowns in a game when he's been the quarterback. So you can't just say, "Okay, it's fixed." But it, it's way too early, I would think, to, to worry about the trade in the contract. Or no? Well, I think if you wanted to worry, you know, from the start, yes, um, you, you can worry. Put it this way: Do I have like an ounce of thought that this is just really bad and he's never going to be great? Yes, but can I present to you six or seven reasons why you know he's going to find a stride and they're going to put good players around him and and he he does give them a chance? Yes, I, I think I think what's been most sobering to Browns fans and they're just exhausted by all of this in general, which I get, is that they made this trade saying, "Hey, we're ready. When this guy's in, we're ready." And the rest of the team is just not as good. I mean, you guys know mediocrity out there. Browns yes, fans do. don't. Browns fans know the bottom, right? And they know making the playoffs a couple years ago and everybody thinking they've got it solved. And this is a mediocre team. This is a team that has two or three superstars. This is a team that, you know, does some things well. But this is not a deep team. This is not a team with a bunch of great young players. This is a team that can't get out of its own way. And it's not just one stretch, right? It's is the second straight year of the Browns going backwards. Zach Jackson covers the Browns. So with all that said, I mean, the line is just one and a half points that Washington's laying here at home, which you know, is a little less, frankly, than what you get anymore for being at home, probably two points or so. You're making it seem like you don't think the Browns are going to win. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't I don't think the operation is, is good enough uh, unless Carson Wentz just melts down and turns it over three times. I mean, the Browns have only won the turnover battle in four games this year. They've won all four. And, right, that's cheesy, that's cliche. But honestly, like, that's the best way I can explain this whole season is they just – the times where they've put it all together or followed big offensive or defensive play with one on the other side have been so few. And this is not the best Nick Chubb. It's not the best offensive line. So we'll see. Um, And they shouldn't be able to stop Robinson if if the commanders just stick to it. So, you know, I do think this will be the week Watson scores a second touchdown. I do think the Browns will be better offensively than they've been. 
the last couple of weeks. It'll be warm. Um, it's going to be like 58 yeah, degrees, I think. Yeah, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, unless Amari Cooper goes nuts, and he could. He's had a good year. He hasn't had a perfect year. He's had a good year. Um, then, you know, I my column is about to go up my this weekend Browns. Is, I think I picked 1917 Washington. Now, I was going to say going into the off season, I was going to say, where are they picking? But, I mean, they, they don't pick in the first round forever at this point. The Texans pick 11th. So, Two more years. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, right. they basically need Watson to be exceptional for this thing to get on track in the next couple of years. Yeah, uh, they're probably going to fire the defensive coordinator. You know, they're going to hope like hell that Miles Garrett doesn't ask for a trade. Um, there's a lot that needs fixed. You know, they, it's, they've just been very average in talent acquisition. And, you know, all, they haven't drafted a pro bowler since Nick Chubb. And when you get Garrett and Ward and Chubb in back-to-back drafts, that's how you turn things around. But they've definitely stagnated. And they have guys that make money that are just okay. You know, they, they have invested into this offensive line, and it's been a big part of the turnaround. And it's, I, I can't fault them for that. But it's not playing like a top-three offensive line. It's, you know, and maybe it will next year, but I just think that they, you know, it's not what they need it to be. And they play in the AFC North, and they're bad at defensive tackle and linebacker, and that's kind of faulty roster building. Yeah, you, you can't have that. I mean, they, they don't sack the quarterback at a high rate with Miles Garrett on their roster or pick off a lot of passes. So I've been saying all week, and I'll leave you on this one and get your thoughts on this, I kind of think for Carson Wentz, you can't ask for a better reindoctrination into the lineup here with a lot on the line for his career than to play this defense in a, a decent weather day in December I like his chances to have a nice day. I mean, do you, what do you think? You should. I mean, Brian Robinson is bigger and faster than anybody the Browns are going to put at linebacker, right? So, like, if the commanders stay out of situations where Garrett comes and takes the ball away from Wentz without him looking or that Wentz chucks it into double coverage down the field, then, yeah, they'll they'll have that chance. And is that simple? Is that cliche? Yes. But, like I said, the Browns were beating on people for a while because that run game was really good early and late in the games. Um, but, you know, they have to get a lead for it to be good late in the games, and they've struggled to make it good early. And it's just kind of shown up. Like I said, they, they drafted this kicker, and he's phenomenally talented, and he can make 70 yarders, but he goes out in the games and he shanks them from 35. So it's, <laughs> that's just one of many things that's gone wrong. That's unreal. Well, Zach, it's great information, and uh, it helps set the table for Sunday. Thanks for hopping aboard. Thanks. Absolutely. Action. Uh, you can join him uh, and follow him on Twitter as you get closer to kickoff. Uh, he is at Akron Jackson, uh, Zach Jackson, who covers the Browns in Cleveland. We didn't mention Chase Young in that conversation, but based on his assessment of the offensive line, I think this is a really nice chance for a get-right opportunity for a D-line that's been great all year, but that hasn't quite been at its dominant level the last couple of weeks. You had a Deron Payne sack this past week. You had a couple of flash sequences for Sweat, who was held out of the box score altogether, zeros across the board. Had a couple of pressures of Brock Purdy that led to incompletions or he ran into Deron Payne for that sack. Chase Young, I thought, showed up, you know, batted a pass and, and did a couple of good things against the run, setting the edge, pushing a tackle into the backfield, you know, keying a TFL for somebody else. But if the Browns, particularly on the right side, where, where I think you're going to see Chase lined up on the left a bunch, are as susceptible and liable to be attacked and, and 
banged up as it sounds like from our guests the last couple days we cover this team, we might get a chance to see Chase Young make some impact plays on Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how you guys feel about this, and you can hit me up if you want on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson. You can call me 800-636-1067 and give me a take, but I am raising my expectations for Chase Young now. I said all season, and I still to an extent feel this way, but I didn't expect almost anything from Chase early on when he returned. And I thought that was the most fair way to handle this. It was a really serious injury, as we know. He's coming back and just basically doing the busy work to get to the offseason so that then in the offseason he could build back up to being Chase Young again. But after this past weekend in San Fran, when he looked like Chase Young, if you just watched that game and you were putting on the film and you picked four random games from last year and that game, you just kind of threw them into a blender, I promise you, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. That one versus last year. He looked like the same guy for the most part. As evidenced by him playing 30 snaps. And it's why, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, we don't need to go back into it, but I have been saying on this show, for anyone that would listen for weeks and weeks and weeks, the team has been expecting and hoping and essentially asking and pleading for him to play, and he was waiting until he kind of mentally felt like he was able to go be the best version of himself. Well, all that patience and him waiting paid off in a way. It would be nice, based on what we saw, to have seen him the two, three, four games before that, maybe, because he could have helped, probably. But it didn't look like a guy coming back from a serious injury who shouldn't be on the field at all. And so, with a good matchup in terms of who he's going head-to-head against and what that offensive line on that side of the formation has done over the last couple weeks in protection... It's not crazy to say that Chase might be able to get you some critical pressures, a sack, a batted pass that turns into a pick. Think about that. It it really doesn't take a lot. It takes one play, and that's a hero start at his position. If he's on the field after a 30-snap game where we were told it should be around 10, because it was pretty obvious, he gets out there, he feels fine, he takes on contact, he goes to the ground and gets up, Now he's confident in that leg. He doesn't want to come off the field. So let's say he plays 40 snaps, 44 snaps, something like that this week. No James Smith-Williams. So they might ask him to do a whole lot. James Smith-Williams was ruled out today. It takes one big play. A sack on a third down. That batted pass he had being picked off rather than falling to the ground when it went 10 feet up in the air. And we're talking all week about the Chase Young game, so to speak. You know, this the play he made against San Fran last year, or I guess it was a couple years ago now, the, the playoff year in 20, his rookie year. But he scoops the ball up and returns it for a touchdown, vultured it like with the talons like Sean Taylor, scoop and score. It just takes one out of the 40-plus snaps. You, you can be rough. You can be rusty. You can not be yourself a whole lot. You make one play, and everyone's going to be banging the drums and hitting the cymbals congratulating you on the performance. And and I think he's healthy enough, fresh enough, capable of making a play or two like that. I'd be curious to see what you guys think. Are you elevating the expectations for him at all? Again, you can hit me on Twitter or on the phones, 800-636-1067. We'll get to those thoughts from you on Chase Young. Plus, I want to rank the likeliness of help for the commanders. 
They are looking for losses from Detroit. They play Chicago. Green Bay hosting Minnesota. Seattle hosting the Jets. All three at home. I will rank those three outcomes that they need in order of likeliness as we continue next. Grant and Danny without Danny on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Second down nine, Brock Purdy batted down. Young got a hand on it, swats it away. So already he is making his presence felt. I just love Kevin Harlan. I wish he was on the call every week for the Commanders. Chase Young batting a pass. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. Are we now able to elevate expectations for Chase a little bit? He had two tackles. And that defended pass. That's all that showed up on the box score. But if you watch the game, you saw it. I mean, he was pushing tackles into the backfield. and I kind of had him on a sled on some ice skates going backwards. I, I liked what I saw. I really felt like he exceeded my expectations. And by the way, he is going to start at defensive end with James Smith-Williams ruled out for this game. Which uh, brings me to the injury report. We should tell you that Antonio Gibson has also been ruled out. I think that'll get a big national reaction. We kind of saw that coming, if you've been tracking this since postgame. He had a sprained ankle and a sprained knee, and I'll be honest with you. I'd like to have Gibson. It would be great if he was available. That's not a deal-breaker at this point. It's not a a game-changer. If the game script plays out poorly and you have to throw the ball a bunch and you know, you're in two- and four-minute drills before the half or before the end of the game and you need to get down the field... You'd like to have him out of the backfield running some choice routes, getting one-on-ones and getting into the open field in the flat, making a catch. But Brian Robinson and Jonathan Williams have both proven pretty capable, and Robinson is the bell cow that gets all the work 
for the most part, in the backfield at this point anyway. So assuming he stays healthy for four quarters, I think you're fine without Antonio Gibson as much as you'd like to have him. The bigger deal here on this injury report with Gibson and Williams out is that Cam Curls now listed questionable with an ankle after limited practice today. And Benjamin St. Just, worse yet, was listed as questionable after not practicing today. And Rivera said that he had a setback. That's scary. You guys know how I feel. I think he's their best cornerback. I think I would... <sighs> this is tough. In this matchup, I think I'd I'd rather have Curl probably than St. Juiced. But in a lot of matchups, specifically teams that like to throw the ball or have weapons outside beyond just Cooper... I would say that they need St. Juice maybe more than or as much as Curl. Curl's outstanding. He's a Pro Bowl type player. And eventually he'll get that kind of love. He hasn't yet. But St. Juice for me is is their top player at his position and has become really significant. When he's played, they've given up fewer explosives in the passing game. But the setback worries me. And the Rivera comment I saw was something to the extent of they're hoping that he can make a lot of progress quickly. Doesn't sound all that good. I would think Cam Curl will play because Rivera said there was a chance he could play last week. They tested him out on the field. He's been doing some work in practice. So if I had to bet, I'd say Curl goes. And right now, unfortunately, I would say St. Juiced doesn't. But those two guys are worth tracking on the defensive side of the ball. Let's get to your calls on Chase Young, though. What'd you think from him and what do you expect now moving forward? Are you are you elevating what you're hoping to see? Let's go to Mike in Fairfax on GND. Hey Mike. Hey, buddy. Thanks for checking my call. At first, I was skeptical about uh, Young coming back. I really didn't want him to come back. I thought that the line would change the dynamic of the line, but he proved us wrong. He really looked hungry. Um, also, I think that the line is is you know they they've had a they've been beat up all year. They're they're probably tired. I think I forgot who who admitted that on uh, one of the shows on uh, the Junkies maybe this morning or whatever it was. Uh, Young is fresh. I mean, he's he's ready to go. He's healthy, and he's also he wants to prove himself. I, I'm excited about it. I think he's going to make a huge dent, man. It's going to be a good, an exciting game. Thanks for taking my call, bud. You got it, but thank you. So let's just start with the idea of shutting him down. That never made sense to me. We would have people that would call in and say, "Shut him down. Don't let him play. Get him ready for next year." I, I always thought that was crazy because what we kept talking about was he's healthy, he's available. He's cleared. Rivera said in a press conference a few weeks ago, the only thing that's left for him to do is to play in games now. He has to play in games. He has to show himself that he can do this again. He has to just get back to being mentally not thinking about the knee with every snap. And you saw him take that step finally against San Francisco, and hopefully, you know, it's not, you're going to always be linear in your progress recovering from an injury, I'm sure. You could feel it or it could swell or something could happen, but hopefully he never has to worry about the mental part of it again. That That's just an anxiety that when you get over, it's binary. You either have that anxiousness or you don't, and hopefully it's gone. But the shutting him down thing never made sense. I mean, and again, he, he was cleared and, and the team was expecting him to play like seven weeks ago. So the... He, he should have been able to play. And it, it's awesome that he's now back on the field for him because it was a lengthy recovery 
and it's even better that he played as well as he did. Trey, Fort Washington, what's up? Hey, I appreciate you guys taking my phone call. Um, on Chase Young, my opinion, he, if he's going in there, he needs to go 1,000 miles per hour because, you know, if, once you're going 70, 80, and you're really thinking about your play, I might get hurt. That's when you get hurt again. But um, is he starting to turn into like a JV uh, clowny? You know, uh, he doesn't really pan out. And um, I, just just me, I tore my ACL, and I was jogging around in, in like six months. So, I mean, and he's a freak athlete. I expect him to come back fast and play at a high level. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, it's – and I get that, right? It's just so hard to expect a guy to right away look like they did before the injury when they suffer that serious of a setback. But I think where I'm going to recalibrate and where you're on to something is a lot of the time that he spent where he might have been playing – and kind of going through the motions or just looking like he was out there when he could have been playing eight snaps and then 12 and then 15 and then 20. I think a lot of that time he spent just on the practice field and anonymity away from us, and we saw the 30 snap looked pretty good, Chase Young. It's almost like we skipped that part, and now maybe he does go out there and get you three or four pressures and a quarterback hit or two and and a sack this weekend. Andre Chantilly, what's up? Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, I just want to remind people that, that that game was a good reminder that Chase Young is our most talented defensive player. So on, a, on his first game back from an injury and unlimited snaps, he was our highest-rated defensive player, according to PFF. And so I, I don't know how the fan base cannot be excited for him to, to, to get more and more reps, but he was, you know, in his first game back from that knee surgery, he's instantly our highest-rated defensive player. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does moving forward. Yeah, people should be excited. And frankly, he should be one of the higher-rated players, right? I mean, he was the second overall pick. Now, doing it as soon as he came back, to your point, it's pretty impressive. And I'll say that I think he surpassed a lot of people's expectations. I'm not sure anymore if I would say he is the most talented player on this defense, which is crazy. He should be, for sure. I mean, he was dubbed generational. He was taken number two when you could have gone Herbert or two or whatever. At some point, like, production is really what I care about more, and I know he was robbed of this season from health standpoint. It's just hard for me because last year when he was healthy for the nine games or whatever it was, when he was on the field, he was kind of a shell of what I had expected. But we have seen John Allen take his game to heights that are close to elite. John Allen is a Pro Bowl player, week in, week out, who flirts with all pro performances, right? I mean, he is really unique and special. Deron Payne has matched Allen step for step this year. Do I think Chase is more talented than those guys? Yeah, he probably is. And maybe I would say he's more talented than Sweat on the other side, who's built like an action figure and has the speed and the length, you know, longer than the line at the DMV. But I guess what I would say to the whole talent thing is I don't really care about that. I care about who the most productive players are. And while I'm not going to ask for Chase to be more productive than those guys who are not coming off of the injury that he is right now, you know, come next year I will. Like last year, before the injury, Allen, Payne, Sweat, they were all doing more. And so at some point having the talent or the upside or the potential matters a little bit less. And we're now into year... Three 
I mean, we're at the end of year three. Think about that. That ain't nothing. Like next year, we're going to be waiting for him to kind of turn a corner as he's getting his feet back under him. And we go, okay. It's almost like rather than improving and getting better, we're just trying to get him back to where he was. And that's in his fourth season, which is really disappointing. But I get what you're saying in terms of the potential, like what you're born with. If we're looking at it as a Madden grade, the strength plus the agility and the speed and the, you know, all the traits, the, the, attributes for him, they're all turned all the way up. All the faders are spun as far to the right as you can go. But at some point, I just I just need you to make plays. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that that's the case for him right now. I'm, I'm looking at him very differently down the stretch than I would have if he was healthy. But it didn't really happen in year two before he got hurt, and year four is going to be huge if we start talking about comparing him to the other D linemen. Because let's face it, pain they might have to pay or tag, sweat this offseason they're going to have to pay. I mean, you got to start deciding if you're setting aside some money for Chase Young or you're not. And it's really hard to make that decision based on what you've seen so far. But a couple of games here for him to try to continue to position himself going into the offseason to be in a really good spot to have a huge 2023, which I think should be his priority at this point. All right, next, I want to rank the likeliness of outcomes for the commanders for the other teams that they need to lose this weekend. Again, they control their own destiny, so if they win twice, nothing matters. But they could also get some help along the way here. Packers lose, Seahawks lose, Lions lose. That's all really good for Washington. So I want to look at those three games and just rank the likeliness of them getting what they want. We'll do that next on Grant and Danny right here on the fan. The Beltway Blitz at the top of the hour. Six o'clock today, Bobby Carpenter is going to get you set for the two massive playoff games in college football tomorrow. It's a football Friday on the fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.
Just had a great commercial break there where uh, John and I were discussing how it would be hilarious if we stumbled onto like a TikTok account that Ryan Clary had that he's keeping private from us where he's just doing all the dances, all the TikTok viral dances. Oh, boy, would I love a day in the future where we just found your TikTok that you were hiding from all of us at the radio station and you're doing a bunch of dances. But seriously, like you're staring at the camera and you're trying to get some attention dollars on TikTok. Be the best. Uh, for some reason, I'm, we got two screens in studio. So one of them, I've got Maryland and NC State as they play late in their bowl game. The other, I've got last night's game from NFL Network, the Cowboys and the Titans. Dallas is up 10-0. I wonder how it'll finish. But I do have to say, Josh Dobbs played pretty good ball last night. Dude's been a Titan for eight days, and they started him over Malik Willis. So enough with Malik Willis, by the way. I don't want to hear another word about Malik Willis for a while. Can we all can we all agree to that? They started Josh Dobbs over him, for God's sake. They said, okay, we need to be able to throw a forward pass, so we're going to play a guy who has never started in six years bouncing around practice squads, who's been here for eight days. And Malik Willis will just watch him play. And he actually looked good. They're going to start him presumably next week with a division on the line. Although it would be a stunner if they went back to Malik Willis. But uh, the way Dobbs played, they might want to franchise tag him. He was silly. I'm only kidding. But he, he was actually pretty solid last night. I was happy for him. Parents were there. First start six years in. It's like a rocket scientist or something. Al Michaels, I think, got paid by the mention of of his degree. Like every time he walked out on the field, here comes a guy with an aerospace degree. But he is. He's a sharp dude, and he picked up the offense. All right, let me rank the outcomes for the Commanders here. Some other games to keep an eye on this weekend for you as we get ready to tackle Week 17 in the NFL. So we'll start with just giving you the three games that you're keeping the most attention toward other than Washington. In the 1 o'clock window, Bears at the Lions. 3-12 and 12 Chicago, 7-8 and eight Detroit. The Lions, coming off of their loss to the Panthers, have got to find a way to stop Justin Fields from running the football. That'll be the key to their game. Then 4 o'clock window, and the good thing about this is, Commanders will be done, so you'll get to multitask and watch these two games. The Jets are in Seattle playing the Seahawks. You're rooting for the Jets. And the Vikings are hosting the Green Bay Packers, excuse me, are at the Green Bay Packers who are hosting them at Lambeau Field. You are, and I know for some of you this is tough, you are pulling for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Green Bay Packers. Here's why. Packers lost. They're done. You don't have to worry about them. Seattle loses to the Jets at 7-9. and nine. Washington is in business. These are the three teams that are all right now one half game behind the 7-7-1 seven, seven, Commanders. So here's the order, I think, that you could get your help if you're a Commanders fan this weekend. Number one most likely thing to happen will be the Seahawks losing to the Jets. I'm actually picking the Jets outright in this game. They're one-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the Jets for a couple reasons. Number one, Mike White returns. He's going to wear a bunch of extra padding and cushioning, it sounds like, to help protect his ribs from some contact. The New York offensive line has not played well at all. This has been a bugaboo for them, but... The Seahawks' defensive line is bad enough that I don't think it's going to take advantage of how bad the Jets have protected the quarterback. They have been unable to get to QBs here recently. 
The other storyline with Seattle is that Geno Smith has completely fallen off. Early season, he was the story of the NFL at QB. He was on fire, had been phenomenal, and his excellence has subsided to the point where he's been pretty average now in the second half of the season. He's got 25 turnover-worthy plays. That's second worst in the NFL. I'm not saying he's been bad for the record. Like Geno's been an NFL starter. He's been serviceable. But he has gone from really, really good to looking kind of like Geno Smith, a starter on a bad team, which is what Seattle over the last three weeks with three straight losses has become. The big key, though, is not just about Geno and how he's performed. He has not had any pass protection. The Seahawks are getting him hit, and they're getting him sacked too often. Their O-line, their protectional group, tight ends included, they were in the top half of the league, according to PFF, 14th for the first half of the year. Over the last six weeks, they are dead last. Nick Bosa crushed them. Chris Jones of the Chiefs dominated them. It's been really, really ugly. They haven't had Tyler Lockett, which has taken away a vertical element of their passing game as well. So I like the Jets to beat the Seahawks. I think they are in big, big trouble. The next most likely outcome for me would be the Packers losing to the Vikings. This would take a sharp Cousins on the road at Lambeau, a big game from Justin Jefferson, who's having an unprecedented season at wide receiver. Second straight year, probably, you could say that. He's off to the greatest start in the history of a career at wide receiver. He's got 123 catches. He's probably going to break Calvin Johnson's catch record. I shouldn't say probably, but he's got an outside chance to. He's got 1,756 yards. He's going to break Cooper Cup's receiving yardage record if he stays healthy and plays the next two games. But if the Vikings can protect the football and, and you know, defensively where they're so, so bad, I mean, they're arguably the worst defense in the league, have been for much of the year statistically. If they can get off the field occasionally, there's no reason they can't beat Green Bay, who they beat by 16 points, 23-7 to early in the year. I'm picking the Packers. They are favored by three at home, I believe. I've even seen three and a half in some places, which feels odd. But... It's a toss-up type game, and the Vikings win a lot of those. One possession wins all year long. Cousins has been phenomenal late in games. The funny narrative for years about him, uh, he's not clutch, he can't go on the game winning, whatever, nonsense, stupid stuff. Eight game-winning drives, eight fourth-quarter comebacks, leading the NFL on the verge of a record as he gets ready for his fourth straight Pro Bowl. The Vikings and the Packers at Lambeau, And then third most likely would be the Lions. I just don't see them losing to the Bears. Had they not have lost to the Panthers last week, I actually think it would be more likely. But they get back home. I think you buckle down. They're going to be desperate. They lose a second straight. That feels a little bit like a collapse after their hot stretch. The big problem for them is they lay six points inside a dome where golf's been really good. You're playing a terrible Bears team that's lost eight in a row. But Justin Fields is a pain in the butt to defend. It's like... You know, high school football where you're playing a quarterback who's going to run all over the place all night. The Bears don't throw the ball a lot or well. And Fields isn't developing a ton as a passer. They're not making him. They're just telling him to run. And he's doing it, and they're moving the ball. They're not winning, but he's been a blast to watch. The Bears' defense is horrible. So I think the Lions will, will actually score points in this game. Ben Johnson as a play caller who might get a head coaching job this year is going to have a chance, I think, to outwit them here and there because that's just not a particularly good scheme and they don't have enough good players. But the concern for the Lions is this. They can't stop running quarterbacks. 
They're giving up 6.4 yards per carry this year to QBs. They've allowed 558 yards rushing to passers. 90 to Jalen Hurts, 147 to Fields when these teams played last in a game where both teams were in the 30s in points. They gave up 70 yards to Josh Allen, 7 for 50 to Daniel Jones, 7 for 49 to Geno Smith. They, they missed 13 tackles last week. They gave up, I think it was 300 rushing yards to Carolina, over 200 in the first half. I don't know how, I don't know what the fix is, but they've got to be better against the run, and they've got to slow down fields. And if they can do that, they'll win. This could be a bit of a shootout. I'm thinking like 34-27, 35-28 kind of game. But I like the Lions to beat the Bears. I, I feel worst about Washington getting help there. So most likely, Seahawks lose to the Jets. I'll go then Packers losing to the Vikings. And I think Detroit probably beats Chicago. Grant and Danny without Danny. We got your Beltway Blitz coming your way next at 425. Who's going to benefit most for Washington from Carson Wentz getting the call at quarterback? You're listening to The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 